opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to, I, to, I think today's is called Something to Talk About. <laughs> and Yeah. We have been having these wonderful technology courses with Matt Volbrecht from the Tech Juggernaut. And we are just, Matt, we're super excited to have you back. Um, I just want to welcome everybody on ACB Radio and people who have come and showed up on Zoom. And um, as I said, if you're on Zoom right now, you are not going to be able to unmute yourself um, until it's time to ask questions. And so without further ado, here you are, Matt. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here as well. Thanks again for having me and welcome, everybody. Uh, This is going to be a bit different than our normal Friday afternoon sessions. If you enjoy and find the teaching uh, beneficial, we're going to get back to that next week and we're going to start teaching you more things again that you can do with your Apple devices. But today is very different. Today's kind of unique because this week, Apple held its annual Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, as they as they call it. Now, this is primarily an event that is aimed at developers. All right, so all the folks who develop those third party apps that you love so much, those developers can come together. And this year, they actually came together digitally. There was nothing in person this year because of all the COVID stuff, but they did have a virtual, uh, you know, WWDC. And the developers come together and they have sessions to learn how to implement some of Apple's new features and to get help with their coding. And there's tons of engineers that are always there from Apple to help them and all these kinds of things. Well, the highlight of the WWDC for those of us who are not developers, but who consider ourselves to be huge Apple fans is the special keynote event that always seems to take place every year on the first day of the Worldwide Developers Conference. And it is the time at which Apple announces its plans for the new operating systems, the new software coming up that year. Every once in a while, they've announced some hardware-related things too, and there actually is one this year that we'll get to. But primarily, software is the focus of the WWDC keynote event. And it's the time when the new software is announced. And Apple usually takes a couple of hours to go through some of the most prominent new features that are planned for the next operating systems. We're going to share with you today some of those features. And what we're also definitely going to do is we're going to take your questions. We're going to spend lots of time on questions because we really feel that probably some folks have already been hearing things, been hearing rumors, maybe they watch the event themselves and all of that stuff. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about beta testing, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So let me begin by saying that last year, Apple announced iOS 13, and for the first time, iPad OS separately from iOS 13. And of course, they announced the other 13s, right? TVOS and HomePod software, and watchOS 6. They also announced last year macOS Catalina. Now, I have stated, and this is strictly my professional, unprofessional, unsolicited opinion, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's, It's not anything factual. Apple has never said it in this way per se, but 
uh, I have stated, and I truly believe, that the 13s were the biggest single, the releases with the biggest updates in iOS history. There was so much new that was introduced in iOS 13 and iPad OS. Just tons of things. And, you know, it's become such that it's hard for me to even remember what all of the new features were because things start to kind of blend and blur together after a while when you use it, you know, all the time. But there were. There were hundreds and hundreds of new features last year. So as often is the case, the next year tends to be a bit of a cool-down year, and you need that every once in a while. And that's exactly what this year is. It does not have the wealth of uh, or the degree of um, changes and new features that iOS 13 and its counterparts had. However, having said that, there's still tons of new stuff this year, and some of it's pretty major. And one very major announcement that I'm going to share for a little bit later on in the call today. So what was introduced this year? What, what are the kinds of things that we can talk about with iOS 14? And I'm going to start out with the disclaimer that I take Apple's non-disclosure agreement very, very seriously. Uh, so if there is something as a beta tester that I've experienced, I can't talk about that personally with you. The only things I can share are what Apple shared publicly on stage, and we can comment a little bit on rumors we've read online and maybe give you a little bit of unofficial guidance on those kinds of things. But I also want to point out that you can watch for yourself the entire keynote by going to Apple's website, or if you have um, the Apple TV app, remember, you don't even need an Apple TV to have the TV app. It's on all your Apple devices. You can go to the watch now section and it is, uh, featured there. You can watch it on demand. Uh, there's lots of ways to see this, uh, keynote after the fact. And you can also go to apple.com slash iOS. Uh, I believe it is to, to go to see some of the, uh, new features. There's a link there. Then it says, find out what's coming. Um, and so you can read about iOS and iPad OS and then the other operating systems as well. So let's just talk about some of the things that have been introduced this year. And it really starts out for iOS and iPad OS with a redesigned home screen. Now, this is even bigger on the iPhone than it is on the iPad because the iPad already got a sort of redesigned home screen last year where you could put widgets right alongside of your apps. For example, if you were to look at my iPad on page one of my home screen in landscape mode, I, of course, have all my apps there. But also off to the left of that, I have a, a weather conditions widget. So it tells me right now, you know, that it's that it's sunny, that it's uh, about 80 degrees and if there's a chance of rain, it tells me what that is. It tells me the high and the low. I also have my up next widget, which is going to display my next calendar event, my next reminder, my next clock alarm, whatever I might want, whatever, you know, appears next is what's going to display in that up next widget. And you can have others or, or have more. And then, of course, you can you can pull down to access the full list of widgets. For those who don't know, widgets are quick access to information, just like I gave you the example, the weather and the um uh, up next, but you can also have, you know, news, you can have uh, nearby like restaurants and um, gas stations and, you know, shopping and things that are nearby you, you can have battery status, all kinds of things you can have in the widgets area. And iPad OS version 13, 
for the first time allows us to pin our favorite widgets right to the home screen so we don't have to swipe to a separate page, the Today View, to actually see those widgets. iOS 14 takes this to a whole new level, both on iOS and on iPadOS, by allowing us, first of all, to resize our widgets. So we can have more information in smaller widgets. We can have larger widgets. We can also create smart stacks, which is a series of widgets that will automatically change depending upon the time of day, depending upon learned behavior patterns, and just depending upon what seems relevant at the time. This is Siri intelligence at its best. So let me give you a practical example. Perhaps when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I will see in my widget smart stack would be today's news and today's weather. Maybe the iPad or iPhone realizes that uh, I am typically working on a certain project in a certain app. And so it may suggest that app for me. It may propose to me uh, a workout. It may show me something from my maps. If I'm supposed to be traveling, it's maybe going to show me some restaurants in the area. So it's going to automatically update its dynamic. And as I said, it's, it's based upon the number of factors, the time of day, learned behavior. You know, you do the same thing every day. If I happen to listen to a, a music playlist every day at the same time, maybe it will show me that right there. So this is a smart stack and you can put the items you want in the smart stack and you can uh, allow for the um, iPad OS or iOS to make these available to you directly on the home screen right beside your apps. Now, this is available both on iPhone and iPad in version 14. So for the very first time, the iPhone will get these widgets as well, even in portrait mode. Now, we know that they will be accessible with voiceover because everything Apple does is accessible with voiceover. So we can't wait to see how that plays out and to enjoy those widgets. That's not the only thing that has been changed about the home screen. One of the most, uh, I think, beloved features that was announced about the home screen is what is being called by Apple the App Library. Now, let me explain to you a little about how this is going to work. We have always had, or not always, but since iOS 4, users have had the ability to create folders of apps. And you can put your favorite apps into folders and it helps you to organize them if you so choose. You can also do like me and just lay your out lay out your apps the way you want them to be and, and not worry about folders. But either way, if you get a lot of apps, what can happen is you can become overwhelmed and just forget where things are. Now, sure, you can use Siri or Spotlight Search to launch your apps, but a lot of times we forget after maybe the first or second page what is the layout of the apps on the rest of the iPad or iPhone. So in iOS and iPad OS 14, we now have the app library. Now, this is going to allow us to do a couple of things. The first thing it's going to allow us to do is to be able to hide pages of apps that we don't wish to see. And this means that if there's you know a page, we don't really want to offload or delete really a, a certain app, but we don't need to see it regularly. We can hide that entire page of apps if we so choose. And then the app library, which is now the last page of apps 
on the iPhone is going to allow us to see a complete list of all of our apps. First of all, we'll be able to search for the name of an app. We will be able to sort our apps by recently downloaded, recent updates, by categories, by frequently used, and more. And of course, we will be able to see presumably a whole list of every app that is installed on our devices. So this is the app library, and it's going to be available to us very soon in iOS 14. Now, another feature related to apps is a new feature called App Clips. Now, with App Clips, this let me give you a, a for instance here, a practical example. You go to a restaurant or a business of any sort, and maybe it's not a place that you visit frequently. Maybe you don't really ever intend to visit again because maybe you're traveling and it's you know away from home or something. But while you're there, you see that there's a really cool app. You know, the sign says, download the app to get a free order of French fries or a free coffee or, you know, place your order in the app or whatever. And you think, man, first of all, you know, I wish I'd known about this 10 minutes sooner because the waitress is already here, you know, and I don't want to have to mess with this right now. But secondly, I'm probably never going to use this app again. So I don't know if I really want it to clutter my home screen and then just, you know, I'll forget about it, forget to delete it, whatever. App Clip solves both of those problems, if, if you want to really call them problems. Because first of all, App Clips will allow you to access a portion of the app without installing it. And what happens is businesses can make an app clip available through a QR code or a sign or, or other location-aware options, NFC. And what will then happen is you accept the app clip and Apple has stated that it's got to be under 20 megabytes so that it will install very quickly. And uh, you will be able to access that portion of the app. Now, if you like it and you want to keep the app, you have the option then to download the rest of the app. If not, you just forget about it and you don't have to worry about having an extra app you don't really need. So, so this is App Clips, again, coming to iOS 14. Another great feature that has been discussed pretty prominently uh, in iOS 14 re revolves around one of the newest features that Apple introduced, sign-in with Apple. So in case any of you don't know what sign-in with Apple is, when you go to create a new account on a website or in an app, as you know, most often you have to enter your name, your email address, a password, all these other things. Now, if you're comfortable with iOS and iPadOS, you already know you can you know, autofill from your contact information. You can have iCloud Keychain create a password for you. And it really does simplify and speed up the process of creating a new account. But what if we didn't even have to have separate accounts and separate logins for all of our favorite apps and websites? And that's exactly what Sign In with Apple did in iOS 13 when it was introduced. And it was it sort of functions like Sign In with Google or Sign In with Facebook, except even more secure, more privacy-oriented, and more integrated. And it was very, very simple. It allows you to authenticate with Touch ID or Face ID, and it even allows us to hide our actual email address, in which case Apple will provide a randomized email address to which this particular app or web service can send all of its promotional emails and everything else, but they'll forward that to your real email so you still get it. And if at any time you're tired of receiving emails from a particular app that you've used with sign-in with Apple, you can simply go into your settings and turn it off. 
Now, that's how it already works in iOS 13, and it's great, and I love using it anytime I have the opportunity. However, I've run into a couple of cases where an app adds signed in with Apple support, and I have already created an account with that particular app or service because I was using it before sign-in with Apple was actually a thing. And so as a result, now I am forced to decide, do I want to keep my old account and just not use sign-in with Apple, or do I want to create a brand new account using sign-in with Apple and potentially lose what I had associated with my other account? Now, that's case by case. For example, we used the DoorDash app the other day which is a great app for ordering food and having it delivered from your favorite restaurants. We don't actually have DoorDash in our area. My parents have it in their area. So when we were visiting them, I used DoorDash on my phone. But I use it so infrequently because we don't live with them. So I didn't really have anything built up in my existing account. I didn't have points accrued. I didn't, I didn't have any you know, information that really mattered to me. And so when I saw that they now had sign-in with Apple support for DoorDash, you better believe I simply abandoned my old account and created a new one. But let me give you an example of a case where that didn't make sense. WordPress. I use WordPress to design my website, ttjtech.net, not to mention a second website, The Vessel, which is a a Christian-based blog. I also design other websites for customers and clients and even friends like Trainer Cliff, who's part of our TTJ instructor team and has asked for assistance with his new website, stiritup.com. Stir with a U, by the way, in case you're looking. I've designed all these websites and they're all in this account. I cannot abandon this WordPress account. I have to keep the same WordPress account. And it also has paid website plans under it. So I really cannot leave this WordPress account. And so I was comfortable just continuing to use my WordPress.com credentials. They're stored in Keychain. No big deal. Would have been cool if we could use sign in with Apple, but we can't do that. So no big deal. Until iOS 14, when it is now going to be possible for the first time for customers to migrate from a pre-existing login to sign in with Apple. And so for the first time, companies and developers are going to have the opportunity to allow their customers to move over to a sign in with Apple account and keep all of their information, even if they already have a previously existing account that did not use sign in with Apple. Great feature coming up in iOS 14. Now, another app that got a significant amount of airtime and attention in iOS 14 is the Messages app. The Messages app is going to bring a lot of great new features to the iPhone and iPad. And I want to talk about just a few of them right now. One of the major new features in Messages is the ability to pin important messages to the top of the list. So, for example, I have running conversations with my wife and kids I mean, even though we all live in the same house, sometimes you just text. It's the 21st century. What can I tell you? And I also have a family chat, which has all three of them and myself in the group. Similarly, I have a a chat called Main Instructor Chat, and it's the one that the TTJ instructor team uses to stay in touch with each other. And we talk fairly often. But the reality of it is, at any one moment, you can get inundated with a ton of messages, and suddenly that very important conversation can end up 
a page or two down in the list. Now, yeah, it wasn't the end of the world. You could find it. You could search for it. You could ask Siri to send to it, and it would be fine. But what if you could keep that message conversation at the top of the list, no matter how many other messages you received? And that is now going to be possible in iOS 14 and iPad OS. You'll be able to pin your favorite messages to the top of the list. But it doesn't end there. For the first time, inline replies. So here's a for instance. Let's say that somebody sends me, and I don't know if Rita came in. I don't know if Cliff was coming, but I know Rita was planning on coming. So just in case she's here, we'll pick on her. Let's say Rita sends me five messages in a row. Matt, how is your day going? Did you check on that thing I asked you to check on? What are your feelings about iOS 14? Now, she's asked me three separate questions there. Now, I can try to reply and make something coherent out of that. I'm doing great. How are you? I think what you proposed is good. And here's my feelings about iOS 14. I can do that, and and she can keep track of that. But now I don't have to, because in iOS 14, I'll be able to choose any one of those messages in that conversation and reply directly to it in line so that when she receives it, she will know which part of the conversation my reply is relevant to. It's an easy way to keep track, and we can have almost sub-conversations going on within this big master conversation that is happening. And Matt Rita is actually here. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, then that, that was good. So in, in addition to that now, we can also take steps to make our group conversations easier to work with. The inline replies are just one way. And they apply to individual conversations, not just group messages. But the other thing we can have in our group messages now are mentions. And mentions allow us to talk to a specific person when replying simply by writing their name. And when we do this, a person receiving those messages can choose to hide all the alerts that don't apply to them directly. So this is going to cut down significantly on those popular uh, conversations that just get on your nerves because they're going off every five minutes. And it's going to do away with this all or nothing approach where we can either hide all alerts for the conversation and risk missing something that does apply to us or, you know, hear everything that, that really doesn't. So that's another great new feature in messages is the mentions feature. Now, I want to um, talk about a couple of things in uh, maps, Apple Maps is just, I'll just mention these briefly. Apple Maps is, um, is getting a new feature. In iOS 13, they got collections. Collections allowed us to have like, you know, um, recreational places, uh, favorite restaurants, um, you know, Florida attractions or, you know, whatever. You could sort them. You could create a collection for anything you want. And you guys remember us talking about that last week in Apple Maps. Well, in Apple Maps in iOS 14, collections are now becoming guides. You can put places in a guide. You can create your own guide. But you'll also be able to find curated pre-existing guides that can help you to navigate in new and exciting places. In addition to that, iOS 14 is getting bike paths, cycling as a, another mode of transportation. You remember last week we shared that when we're 
looking for driving directions or not just driving, but when we're looking for directions, we can choose whether we're driving, walking, using public transit, or using a ride-sharing service like Uber or Lyft. Well, now in iOS 14, there's a new one added to that, and it's called cycling. It's going to start out in a few major cities, but give it time, and it will roll out to more places throughout the country and the world, and it's going to give us information that is beneficial to bicycling. So what's the best bike path? What's the best way to avoid the traffic? Are there any uh, interferences? Are there any steep hills and concerned about? Do we want to avoid all the routes with steps? Or are we willing to carry our bike up and down the stairs if we need to? All kinds of features that are specific to cycling. And also another one, electric vehicles. Now, you can see EV charging stations that are compatible with your type of electric vehicle on your route as you're driving. So you'll automatically have pre-programmed stops so you never have to worry about running out of juice on the way. Now, these are just a few of the new features that are coming to Apple Maps. You'll also be happy to know, if you remember I mentioned to you last week that Apple Maps got a huge visual overhaul in iOS 13 so that things look more realistic. And I said to you that that really enhanced the walking directions here in the United States. But I said that it didn't apply to other countries yet. Apple said that it would, but then we didn't know what happened with, you know, since all the COVID stuff. Well, Apple has confirmed that it is going to start rolling out in Canada and a few other countries that Rita probably has in her notes if I know her. So in a few minutes, we'll check with her on that. But uh, Canada for sure. And, and other countries as well coming in iOS 14. So that rollout is going to continue as we expect it to. That is an overview of Apple Maps. Now, there are other new features. I'll just touch on a few briefly. In the Health app, we now have sleep tracking. Sleep tracking also extends to the Apple Watch. We can use our iPhone, our watch to track our sleep to get better recommendations. We have a new wind down option that allows us to have a routine before bedtime. For example, maybe we want to have quiet music played at a certain time and have the lights dimmed automatically. And these kinds of things now can happen as part of the wind down routine that precedes the bedtime. There's already been a great bedtime feature that dims the screen and hides all notifications until morning. That's still going to be available, but it's been extended and enhanced with bedtime being replaced by the sleep feature. And in addition to that, speaking of Apple Watch, Apple Watch gets a new hand-washing option so that it, if it senses that you are washing your hands, it will guide you on how long to do so for the best health and safety practices. While we're talking about um, the Apple Watch, let me actually go to um, the, the fact that you'll be able now in the new watch OS seven to share watch faces. If you like a certain watch face and a friend of yours said, Oh, I really like the way you have that set up. What do you do right now? You say, okay, this is the one I'm using. Now here's the complications that I have on it. I have, uh, you know, the weather conditions. I have, um, the sunrise. Uh, I have uh, the moon phase. I have the wind speed. You know, I have what activity, whatever I might have on my watch face. Well, in iOS 14 and watchOS 7, you'll be able to share that watch face without having to go through that step-by-step. -step. Somebody says to you, I really like your watch face, tap and share. Or if you really like someone else's watch face, hey, can you please share that with me? And then you can use that immediately in uh, your Apple Watch. Now, I want to talk briefly about iPad. 
iPad is, in my opinion, the best way to learn, work, play, create, and express yourself. And I have completely replaced my traditional computer with an iPad. And we teach a free class on that every year. And I I dare say it's one of our most popular courses and one of my favorite ones to teach. I love the iPad. And in iOS 13, iPad finally got the recognition it deserved by getting its own operating system, iPad OS. Well, iPad OS version 14 is getting even more robust. So it's getting all of the same features that iOS 14 is getting and then some. One of the biggest changes in iOS 14 is the addition of sidebars. Now, this is going to be great visually, but it's going to be great with voiceover as well. So now the important tasks that you may use, for example, creating new events in a calendar or choosing from existing calendars or a toolbar in the notes app that allows you to format your text or change to a different view or your list of locations in the files app, your list of albums in the photos app. These will now be available along the left-hand side of your iPad and you'll be able to show and hide the sidebar at will. This is going to make productivity go to a whole new level on iPad. Now, in addition, iPad gets all the great stuff we've already talked about. It has redesigns for apps like music so that you front and center have a a tab that's going to let you see what you're listening to and what Apple recommends. Again, the great sidebar gets put into uh, the music app on, on iPad and just a ton of other features that we don't even really have time to talk about. One of the great features that some people are going to like, probably less relevant to those of us who cannot see, but maybe not, is the scribble feature. You're now going to be able to handwrite in any edit field that accepts text. You can use your Apple Pencil, your Logitech Crayon. The iPad will discern, iPad OS will be able to determine what you've written and even let you search within handwriting. So it's converting that handwritten text to actual typed text. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about privacy and also about HomeKit on the iPad and iPhone and all of Apple's devices. Privacy has always been an absolute fundamental with Apple. They believe privacy is not only a right, but that it is essential. And Apple has fought hard for security and privacy for all of its customers and all of its users. They don't collect your data and farm it out to other sources the way that a lot of other companies do. And when you're talking to Siri, your data is anonymized. It is not associated with your Apple ID. Well, in iOS 14 and its counterparts, privacy is getting even more robust. And it begins with location approximation. Now, friends, if I'm using an app, that has to do with emergency services, or if I'm using Apple Maps or any app that requires, you know, or that that offers me turn-by-turn navigation, then it is essential that I have precise location information shared with my devices, right? I need precise, I need to share precise location. But what about a weather app? Does the weather app really need to know my exact address and coordinates, or is it okay knowing the general area in which I live. And what about the voice memos app, which, you know, appends the location information to every recording if I want it to? Does it really need my exact address? 
Well, Apple doesn't think so, and neither do I. And in iOS 14, you're going to be able, whenever you grant location access to an individual app, you're going to be able to choose whether that is precise location or approximate location. This way, you have more control over just how much location information you are sharing with each app and each service. In a similar fashion, if an app asks for access to my photos right now, it's all or nothing. But in iOS 14, I will be able to grant apps specific access to only the photos that I choose and, re- and allow the rest of them to remain private. Now, in addition to that, iOS 14 and iPadOS are going to bring about some significant privacy enhancements to the App Store. Already, every single app you use has a privacy policy, and you can find those if you know where to look. But in iOS 14, Apple is going to make those privacy policies front and center, and they've compared it to nutrition labels on a menu in a restaurant or on packaging in the grocery store. So now, when you open the app store and you find an app that you might want to download, as soon as you visit that app page, which tells you, you know, a description of the app and its ratings and reviews and all that, you will be able to see the privacy information right there. So you'll know exactly what information is being shared and how it's being used. Now, Apple is using the information that the developers use. They're using the information that what the developers tell them So it's a bit of an honor system thing. But here again, ladies and gentlemen, is where the beauty of the App Store comes in. Because if Apple finds that a developer is not doing what its privacy policy actually says, they can instantly take action as needed. iPadOS and iOS 14 also warn users when something is getting copied to the clipboard. And there was actually a very prominent app that recently decided it would change its features because of these iOS 14 warnings. Now, there's a lot more coming in iOS 14. And if you visit Apple's website, you can see a great list of all of the features we've talked about and a whole lot more. I want to talk about HomeKit. I mentioned to you that a little bit. In iOS 14, HomeKit, which we all talked about a few weeks ago right here, gets an upgrade. Now, your cameras that use Apple's HomeKit secure video feature will also have facial recognition. So instead of telling me, hey, at 1 p.m., the camera detected a person, now it will say, at 1 p.m., we detected that your son walked by the camera. So it's going to know who it is, and HomeKit-enabled doorbells will also have this facial recognition, and their identity will be announced on HomePods, where you have a HomePod and you have a, a HomeKit doorbell in the same setup. Again, there's a lot of other new features that are coming in in um, HomeKit. And one of the biggest, though it, it seems a bit more vague probably, is a new open standard that everybody can use. So right now you have to get special approval for your HomeKit devices. I think they're calling that standard interoperability. I wrote it down. You know, I was like, yeah. what? Is that a word? Um, uh, I think that is what they're calling it. You're interoperability. right. Interoperability. <laughs> yes, yes. And and so instead of now every single manufacturer having to apply for HomeKit support, Apple is working with Google and Amazon to create this interoperability standard that will, as long as a manufacturer's smart home devices use that open standard, 
they will automatically have full HomeKit support. I think that's truly, over time, going to drastically increase the already awesome list of uh, a number of uh, HomeKit devices that we have and that we can access. Uh, There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that is happening, and there are some accessibility feature enhancements that, while they were not discussed at WWDC on stage at the keynote, they have already made headlines and I believe they're featured on their um, on the Apple website. And I'll just talk about two of them right now that you can read about online for yourself. One of them is sound recognition. This is great for folks who might be hard of hearing at certain frequencies and so on. Your iPhone can notify you when probably eight or ten different sound types have been heard. Things like water running a smoke alarm beeping, a knock at the door or a doorbell, and a uh, a whole lot more. The other accessibility feature that has gotten a lot of attention is the back tap. Already, it's possible to customize certain voiceover gestures. You can perhaps add a four-finger swipe to do your favorite thing or, you know, this or that. Well, now you'll be able to tap the back of your phone to have your favorite voiceover gestures performed. And this, again, is coming in iOS 14 and iPadOS. Now, there are new features for Apple TV, things like game syncing, game progress syncing in the uh, HomeKit, uh, excuse me, in the, in the profiles. So when you switch profiles on Apple TV, not only will it know what you've been watching, but it'll know what you've been playing. There are new features for the HomePod, like direct support for third-party music services. There are new features for AirPods, like automatic switching from device to device and spatial audio for AirPods Pro. And of course, there are tons of new features for the Macintosh. Not being a full-time Mac user, I'm not going to get into a lot of what those are. I will say that the name of Mac OS is my favorite name of any of the names they've ever had. They're calling it Mac OS Big Sur. That just makes me want to run out and buy a Mac right there. But the biggest announcement that the Macintosh is seeing, which we do need to take a moment and talk about, is that for the first time, Apple will start building Macs with their own Apple processors. Now, right now, they already do this with iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV, Apple Watch, HomePod, AirPods, and so on. But the Mac continues to use Intel-based processors. Now, Intel has been very good for Apple, and Apple's been very good for Intel. They've had a very positive relationship overall, but there have been some headaches along the way. And anytime you are using someone else's hardware, you are limited by that someone else. Steve Jobs, when he used to be the CEO of Apple, often quoted a man by the name of Alan Kay, who said that anyone who is serious about software should make their own hardware. Apple has held true to that philosophy from the beginning, and they've fought for it relentlessly. But the fact that they've had to use Intel processors in their Macs has been a drawback, albeit very small. But with the transition to Apple-designed silicon, for the first time, Apple will control every aspect of the entire experience, from the graphics to the processing to everything in between. All of the beautiful power management features. Think about what this will do. 
And if you are at all a tech person, you know, and I don't have to explain it to you. For the rest of you, use your imagination. We have the iPad, seventh generation, Apple's latest entry-level iPad, which I don't even like that term entry-level because the iPad seventh generation does not perform like an entry-level machine. It performs like a high-end pro device. And yet the processor used in the seventh generation iPad is at least two years old. And I forget if it's maybe three. Don't hold me to that. Why does a two or three-year-old processor perform like a high-end pro device? It happens because Apple makes the hardware and Apple makes the software. They can tweak the hardware to benefit from the software. They can tweak the software to perform best with the existing hardware. Power management, graphics, battery, all of these things work better when you are controlling the entire experience. And there is no other computer company in the world that is going to be able to boast that they're doing what Apple is doing here. Every other product you buy is an agglomeration of a variety of components from a variety of companies. My son is interested in a gaming PC. He wants to build his own unit. Now, I'm not even a Windows user, but I'm excited about a building project with my son, so I'm kind of thrilled about it. But as I'm doing the research on these components, what I find is when I look at these high-priced, high-end HP Omen gaming machines or Alienware gaming PCs, they have third-party hardware in them. They still have a third-party AMD or Intel processor. They still have a third-party motherboard. They still have a third-party graphics card. There's no difference between what they're building and what I'm building, except that they know what they're doing, and I'm going to have to learn as I go. (laughs) But that is the simple reality, and Apple is the only company that can boast that that is not the case. When you buy a Mac starting later this year and hopefully completed the transition by two years from now, you will be buying exclusively Apple components. They will, I mean, they may still use, don't get me wrong, somebody's going to call me out on that because I said something slightly inaccurate there. They still may use, you know, Samsung flash storage or something like that. But all of the major components, in particular the silicon, are now designed by Apple. And the first processor they're putting into a Mac is the A12Z processor, the exact same processor that is in the 2020 iPad Pros. This is huge, folks. If you don't understand the significance of this, just give it time, because I guarantee you will. Does it make an instant difference? Not probably on day one, but believe me, what will happen in the future because of this will be amazing. Now, that is a very, very rapid overview of just a handful of the things that have been talked about at the Worldwide Developers Conference this, this particular week. What I want to do is go to Rita, and then I want to take questions. Now, Rita, I always joke with Rita and always pick on Rita about what she likes to call or her husband likes to call CDO. It's OCD, except she's so OCD that it has to be in alphabetical order. So we call it CDO. <laughs> but it pays off. It pays off because Rita took the time to go through and make notes about everything she heard at the event on Monday. And so I'd like to turn it over to her for a minute or two to share anything that's significant to her that I may have either missed or or chosen to gloss over. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doesn't Matt sound like a commercial for Apple? I'm telling you, he needs to be working. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I think just to 
emphasize to people, there's been a, a history of blind people not wanting to update their devices because things change. And so a lot of blind people will, I still see it on the listservs. They're like, well, I'm going to wait to update till they work out the bugs, you know. And when iOS 14 comes out in the fall, please update. If your device can be updated, update. I agree. Yep. Because what happens is is apps are right now in this developers conference that's going on with Apple. There's this flurry of activity, and these developers are going to be maximizing the functions of their apps for iOS 14. So if you don't update, your app potentially may not work as well as it could because it's maximized for iOS 14. So please update. Uh, I know there's a lot of blind people that still are hesitating to do this and and um, the world the world will change whether we want it to or not. Right, <laughs> and, right, right. And it's it's worth it to learn like whenever there's a new update, open your settings app after you update your phone and go through the settings. I mean, it really is worth it because there's some hidden gems in there that they didn't have time to show. Um, I'm seeing that there's going to be a whole bunch more accessibility updates. Now, this is not just voiceover. You know, there's so many people with multiple disabilities accessing these iOS devices. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, read, read all you can uh, practice, practice, practice with your Apple iOS device because the more you practice, it becomes muscle memory and they'll be giving you choices. Like, for example, the home screen it, uh, has the potential to have several different layouts to it. You'll be able to alphabetize all your apps in the library with a library function that's coming but you can also keep everything just as it is. You don't have to make this change, okay? So if you like your apps laid out the way they are, okay? Matt's probably got 400 apps on his iPhone, okay? That would be amazing to try to navigate if I was looking for something that I didn't know where it was. I could ask Siri to open it, okay? But with the alphabetizing, that might be something useful, for somebody to use, but you can also just keep your apps exactly the way you have them. Um, so, so anyway, I'm going to, uh, uh, <laughs> Matt really did a very good job about going through this. Um, the Apple watch, um, I was uh, taking notes about the Apple watch because I currently do not have one. And, but I was thinking, I, I typed a note to myself. I am so getting a watch now, okay? Because <laughs> it's it's got some neat features that are coming to uh, with um, you know with these updates. Um, and uh, so I was like, "That's really cool." And, and again, like the, like the hand washing reminder, for example, that while you're washing your hands, apparently it plays this little song and it makes these sounds to to keep you washing your hands longer. Okay, um, and uh, you can turn that on or off, you know, but I, I thought that, that was really cool. Uh, so, yeah. so anyway, so there's, uh, there's, this stuff is so customizable, and they're making it even more so as they do these software updates. So, so that's my, yeah. 
That's my story. Um, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, and just to go along with what Rita said about how important it is to keep your devices up to date, you know, part of programming and I am not a programmer. I'm not a coder. The, the extent of the programming that I have done is websites. And most of that WordPress does for me. There's very rare occasions where I have to actually code myself. But I can tell you from the limited experience that I have, it is so easy for bugs to happen. When, when I hear these things, you know, oh my, how could they have bugs in it? How can they not? It is so simple for it to happen. So incredibly simple. And that's just with like one line of code. We are talking about billions and billions of lines of code. There is no possible way that it could be 100% perfect. That's not a realistic expectation. And sometimes there may be a feature that only a small fraction of people are using in a particular way. And in by its very nature, voiceover is that way. Because we, as the visually impaired community, represent a very, very small fraction of the Apple device user base. And so there may be things <coughs> that we take for granted. There is a, a, um, a, a bug right now that I can't even, I can't talk about it because I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I missed it. And Trainer Cliff found it. Did I test the app? You better believe it. I just didn't go far enough because I assumed if one part of it worked, the rest of it would work, even though I've known that that's not always the case. I made a risk assessment, and this time it was in the wrong direction. It's that easy, even for thousands and millions of testers, to miss something. And so my point is, while it may not be the most pleasant thing to say or to hear or to experience if you do, it could be that your report, and I'm not being melodramatic, it could be that your report is the very thing that brings to the attention of Apple or an app developer the bug that you're experiencing. But that's only going to work if enough people upgrade. If everybody waits to upgrade, we're not going to find those things, and all we're going to do is delay the inevitable. So we might as well upgrade right away and get it over with <laughs> and, and find <laughs> the things that need fixing so that we can report them to the appropriate people in a positive and constructive way, and the problems can be solved. And on that front, I'm going to make a public service announcement about beta testing after, the, after we take some questions. But I want to I stop for now and let the question time uh, begin. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll come back and, and wind things up after that. Okay. So if you have a question, um, please go ahead and raise your hand. If you had raised your hand earlier, I put them down um, because we were not quite ready yet. So you might want to go ahead and raise your hand again. If you're calling on your, if you're calling in on your phone, um, using a keypad, it's star nine. If you are using the app on your iPhone, it is, um, in the lower right-hand corner, double tap more and then double tap raise hand. If you're using the PC, it's Alt-Y. And if you're on a Mac, it's Options-Y. Chris, you should be, there should be something on your screen asking you to unmute. Hi, how's everybody doing? Hey, how you doing? Great job, by the way, Matt, um, for your presentation. Um, just had a quick question again. Thanks. Can you just briefly go over what the uh, Clip uh, app feature does again? Yeah. So basically, it allows you to either scan a QR code or hold the device near an NFC chip or something in order to get a portion of the app that is relevant to 
you know, maybe an ad or something. Like I said, I gave the example of, you know, at, at a restaurant, maybe they say you download the app and receive a free order of fries. Well, you know, so you don't have to now download that whole app and actually install it. You'll be able to just tap on the app clip and access that portion of the app that is needed. And then you'll be able to decide, do I want to keep this app and really install the full thing, add it to my home screen, or do I just want to, you know, be done with it after, after this occasion? Okay. So for example, Oh, sorry, Rita, go ahead. That's okay. So, so for example, say you're, you're going down the street and you pass a coffee shop and you get NFC is a near field communication. So say your phone gives you an alert uh, that Susie's coffee shop has a free croissant with a cup of coffee or whatever. Okay. And so, so you tap on that and a mini portion of an app will load, allowing you to access that benefit of that thing. And then it goes away. Okay, so you don't have to install a full app on your phone or delete it later. It just allows you, this is a way for people to take advantage for app developers, for, for, for business generation, quite frankly, you know, for, to, to, to get you to access something. And then you may really be like that and then, then really download the app or, the, or patronize the business. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your question, Chris. Next up is Fran. Hi, hi Matt. Um, hi. About the messaging, um, you were talking about hiding things. Does that apply for text messaging or group text? Yes, that's yes, what it he's, does. Yeah, yes. because I got a group text this morning with about eight or nine other women, and so I responded directly to the person, the original person who sent the text out and then all these people like all day long are responding and i'm like do i really need to hear all these responses oh exactly yeah exactly so you know that right now you can hide the alerts for that conversation if you want to you don't have to wait for 14 to do that if you uh are in the list of messages and you swipe up and down um on on a conversation uh you will hear an option in the rotor that says hide alerts so you that can is honestly hide. how a lot of people have not gotten blocked on my phone. Ah. Because you had the alert. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it does, that is available even now. But the thing is, right now, it's an all or nothing approach. So when 14 comes out, you'll be able to just hide the alerts that don't apply to you. And then when someone wants your attention, they can type your name as part of the message that they're sending. And that's called a mention. And that will indicate that that is for you. And, and that one will sound on your device then. Thank you for your question, Fran. Next up is going to be Sharon. Hello. Uh, I have two quick Hi. questions. First of all, um, what uh, version of iPhone do you need to have to get uh, iOS 14? So- and, second, and secondly, um, I have a group text with family, and one of my family members is not on Apple, so I haven't been able to create a group. Is there any conversation about that changing uh, okay. for non-Apple devices? Thank you. Both great questions. Um, so to answer the first one, iOS 14 will work on anything that can run iOS 13. Now, they do have a complete list of compatible devices. If you go to apple.com slash iOS and you go to the see what's coming link, you you know scroll all the way down or use your heading navigation and it'll say, iOS 14 will work on the following devices, and they will actually list them. And I believe it starts with the 6S, the first generation SE, 
and you know everything beyond that. But again, a, a quick way to sum up is if you're running iOS 13, you will be able to run iOS 14. The second question, um, not having you know, ha- having a person in your conversation that is not an Apple user limiting you, you can't name the group and these types of things. Unfortunately, that is a bit out of Apple's hands. Non-Apple devices use one of two standards, SMS or MMS. SMS is short messaging system and MMS, I think, is media message system or multimedia, something like that. And these are what your carrier uses. If you remember back to the days when they said, you know, you get 500 text messages in your plan every month and then we charge you, you know, 10 cents a message or something. That's carrier messages. iMessage is Apple's internet-based messaging service that works over Wi-Fi or cellular, but when it uses cellular, it's using data. Unfortunately, carrier messaging, SMS and MMS, have certain limits that I don't personally see Apple being able to circumvent. And so consequently, I think the carriers are going to have to change the standard and add new options and new features before that will happen. Now, uh, you know, there has been some rumor, there's been some talk about the fact that that is coming, but that may take a while. I don't know if the mentions in version 14 will work if you have a group that has a non-Apple device in it. I don't know enough about the technology used for the mention to be able to answer that question. But I can tell you that the idea of iMessage-like features coming to carrier messaging or non-Apple devices is a pretty big challenge right now until the carriers, you know, upgrade the the standard. And it's an international standard, so it's not, you know, just as simple as an arbitrary, okay, well, we can do it. You know, I mean, they have the technology to do it, but we're talking about, uh, you know, international standards bodies and all that good stuff. All right. Thank you so much for your question. And next up, we have Pam. Yes. Great job. Um, <laughs> my question is, very briefly, what are still advantages, if any, of a um, MacBook Air or Pro over an iPad? I've, I've got to replace my computer. I now have a very old Pro, MacBook Pro, and I'm debating on whether to get an Air, which is a little less expensive, and I think would still meet my needs, or whether to get this this new iPad that is supposed to do just about everything that a computer does. Right. So, right. can you give me sort of a brief, in a nutshell, what would be the advantages of still having a computer, having a Pro or an Air MacBook Air? Well, you see, here's the thing. Uh, If you want advantages of having a computer, you're talking to the wrong guy. Because because I have replaced my computer with an iPad, and I don't think there are any advantages for 99.9% of the user base. Now, that is not to disparage Apple's Mac lineup. The Macs are fantastic machines, as you know from your existing experience, I'm sure they last long, they're reliable, they work well. If I were going to buy a computer, uh, putting aside the fact that my son is is putting me in a position to buy him a Windows PC or build him one, but putting that aside, uh, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. Uh, um, putting that aside, if I were going to buy a computer for my own use, it absolutely would be a Mac. However, I don't see the need for a traditional computer for most people. The iPad can print 
The iPad can access USB file, you know, storage for files. The iPad has iCloud. The, the app selection is amazing. You have voiceover. You have everything you need. You have full desktop class web browsing on the iPad. If you're getting into more professional stuff, you know, you have pages and numbers and keynote for your um, sort of productivity, you know, word processing and that sort of thing. You've got uh, clips and iMovie and other pro apps for video editing. There really isn't anything you can't do on an iPad. And I mean, it can be your, your TV watching device. It can be your internet browsing device, you know, email and, and all kind, you know, robust file attachment support. I don't see for 99.9% of people, you can even edit photos professionally. The only time it really would be an issue. And that's that 0.1% is if your setup required you to have multiple, multiple cores of processing power to be able to do what you're doing. And so if you're Hollywood Universal Studios and you need to edit, you know, 25 4K video streams at the same time, yeah, the iPad isn't going to do that right now simply because it doesn't have the cores to do it. Although being Apple designed hardware, it's going to maximize its cores far better than anything else. But still, you know, you get up to that level of thing. But you can certainly en- you can certainly edit two or three 4K video streams at a time on an iPad, which is more than most people will ever want to do. So price, you know, pound for pound. And I'd love to talk with you more about this if you're interested later, because again, we teach a free class on it. I've got all kinds of information about it on my website. And and let's not forget too, that with the iPad and a device like the Apple smart keyboard or the Logitech Slim Folio line or, or others, we can actually have a mechanical keyboard built right into our iPad. So it's almost like using a laptop anyway. And that to me really does seal the deal. So uh, unless you are, you know, working for uh, a huge architectural firm where you're doing AutoCAD every day, or you're, you know, working for Universal or maybe working for NASA, (laughs) I don't really think, I don't really think that a Mac is, is the way to go. In my personal opinion, I would, I would go iPad. Um, Matt? Yeah. You've got some more hands. Um, All right. I also thought I heard you say that you had a little bit more that you wanted to talk about. Um, um, so am I right in that? I, or do you well, have actually, what, what you were, you were right about that. But it, the thing I wanted to talk about was already answered by someone's question. It was okay. a compatibility list. So we already covered that. Yep. Okay. Oh. Question. Yeah. All right. Then great. All right. We're going to go to Penny. Yes, finally. Um, well, I guess uh, one of my questions was already answered about the um, style iPhone you had to have. Will this iPhone 14 allow you to use your home key as the home going to home? Because I'm not, I'm personally not comfortable with facial technology and I still have an iPhone 8. So with the 14, will you still be able to use the home key in that way? If you have a device already with a home button, it will continue to function as it always has. The home button is still very prominent on iPads and, and of course, some of the um, some of the iPhones. So, yeah, any device that has it, it will continue to function on. Uh, but you know that there are a lot of um, folks who have been nervous about that transition. And it really is a seamless thing where if you have been shown how to properly use it and how to properly do it, 
it will become just as much of a second nature thing to you as what you're doing now. And as far as the facial recognition, it really is fantastic, but you do always have the option of not using it, even if you get a device with it. So, you know, just keep those things in mind. But yes, your existing devices that have home buttons will continue to function as they have. Before I go to the next person, I will just say that I... Um, was very nervous about switching to a phone that did not have a home button because I was very used to tapping that home button. Um, and after about 20 minutes or so, the home button now, anything that I switch back to that has a home button feels very, very clunky. Yep. So I promise you, I promise you that you can, that you can learn it and that Absolutely. it's not as big and as scary as it may seem. No. I just wanted to add just a little distinction. A lot of people don't understand the differences between hardware and software. So somebody will say to me, I've got, uh, you know, an iPhone 14. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, you, and, it, and so um, a lot of times when people don't understand the difference, you can go to settings in general and about and it'll tell you what your hardware is which is the actual handset you're using you know iphone 7 iphone 8 iphone 10 and then what your what your version of software which is called the ios so we're in ios 13.5 point something now and we're going to 14 in the fall right great thank you for your question penny next up is pam Hello. Hi. Uh, I want to know how the phone records the sleep. Well, I think you mean like the sleep tracking feature? Yes. How does it do that? So it will use a combination of sensors. Now, it's going to be better if you have the Apple Watch by far because you can wear it. But even if you don't, it uses the ambient sounds around you. It uses the accelerometer and the, the motion, you know, the all of those things to make a, a best determination. Now you add the watch into the mix and now it's got the ability to access heart rate data and, you know, these types of things. So the respirations, all of that stuff now becomes a much bigger part of the puzzle, but it can do a pretty accurate job even without the watch. All right. Thank you for your question, Pam. I'm now going to someone who called in on a phone. You're, you are... You are unmuted, and your area code is 718. Could you say your name and what your question is? Yes. My name is Bob. I'm from New York City. I have two hi questions. And, hi, very quick questions. The first one, um, if you get a Braille note-taking device, you can navigate quickly from page to page, bookmark to bookmark, heading to heading, and so forth. I don't know of any Apple app or setting that allows me to do this on my iPhone. Can you make a suggestion or tell me where I can go for it? to get more information about that. Oh, absolutely. Well, the answer, the answer is the rotor. Uh, and the answer is just, you know, choosing the options in the rotor that you personally like to use. So, you know, um, in a, I mean, it really depends on the specific app and the specific situation. We probably don't have time to get into all that, but the rotor is, you know, a virtual control on screen that has all different ways on a website, for example, I can set the rotor so that I can navigate by heading, by link. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That I know about website. I'm talking about in a text document, like in notes. I can't okay. navigate quickly from page to page or go from one note quickly to another. Well, in there, it would really be, I mean, a lot of that is, so you're still going to want to use the rotor for 
like navigating by lines, by words, or by characters. Um, you can also use a three-finger scroll to navigate by page. Um, you can search. You know, one of the most, I think, underutilized features, for example, in the Apple Pages app is the find command because I can, you know, I can find exactly what phrase or what word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, what else, Rita? What else? About yes, this? You're, right, you're, you're right about that search option. And actually in the notes app, you can search across all notes. And Correct. if that phrase appears, any note, it, oh, that's a very powerful feature. Okay. Can I get the second question very quickly? You mentioned that um, you use your iPad Pro or whatever to as in place of a computer. Will an iPad mini uh, serve the purpose? And, you know, I've noticed that in these iPads also the camera doesn't seem to have as many megapixels. And I'm wondering if the OCR apps work as well. The general answer to your question is <coughs> that the modern iPad mini, which is the uh, the iPad mini 5, does have every bit as much power as its siblings. So, yes, from a power standpoint, it will work as a computer replacement. Now, I happen to be a fan of the larger screen. I like the extra screen real estate, but I recognize that that's personal preference. The other place you may have an issue, if you're looking for a, a true desktop replacement solution and you want a keyboard that's sort of quote-unquote built in, you know, as a, as a keyboard case or a folio, you will have a lot more difficulty finding those for the iPad mini than you will for the larger uh, iPads. Now, as far as the um, the other part of your question, which was, uh, what was it exactly again? Does the um... hello? Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, got you. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the second was about. It seemed that the camera specs on the oh, iPads yeah. are not as good as the iPhones, <laughs> and I'm yes, worried about OCR. There you go. Yeah. So the camera on the iPad seventh generation and the iPad Air three and the iPad Mini five are admittedly not what they are on the iPad Pro. Now the iPad Pro is every bit as good as the iPhone camera. But the um, the fact is that even the cameras on the iPad and iPad Air and that, they are still fantastic cameras. They are not quite the megapixels of the iPad Pro, but they are used every day by millions of people for OCR. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that um, in, in any way. Any of those cameras uh, should be more than sufficient to do what you know what you'd want to do there thank you for your question bob next is going to be kamala kamala there should be something on your screen asking you to unmute hey how are you uh, good. how you doing uh, i'm doing pretty good uh listen um my question is um i've gotten an email from apple saying that you know uh, there's a future where you could share your face on you know your social media platforms how do you go about doing that <laughs> Hmm. Um, do you guys know what she might be talking about? I'm not sure what that email was. Where it's uh, we're talking facial recognition on social yeah, media. Yeah, and, and it says you could. Uh, it says you can share your faces on 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 social media. You know, on your own social media and stuff like that. It, it's the same thing about iOS 14, uh, the WWDC. Uh, hmm. I don't. I don't know. 
But it's a feature where they say you could share your uh, like when you have when you have your face, your watch faces or your iOS face. Oh well, okay, the watch face. Yeah, oh, gotcha. right. And, okay. and, and it can also be on your iPhone too. You could share it with your social media and all that. Well, you can. It, it's on your iPhone to the extent that the watch app is on your iPhone. But they are talking about watch faces. Yeah, that was that thing we said earlier. If you find a watch face on somebody's watch that you like, you can yes. share, they can share it with you or whatever. And yes, it's true that whatever sharing options you have, which are based upon whatever apps you have installed, you can share it with any of those. So yeah, if you have Facebook or Twitter installed or Instagram, whatever you have, it's that is going to be in, according to my understanding, I've not seen it and I couldn't talk about it if I had, but my, my understanding is it'll be a standard share sheet. You know, you'll see messages, mail, whatever apps you have installed, you'll be able to use those to share that watch face. I have a question. I'm going to just sneak in here. <laughs> um, so I know that we talked a little bit ab- about like emojis in one of the calls that you did. Yes. But I saw something about an emojis or something like that. Is that what it's called? I could be pronouncing it yes. wrong. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> um, and that they were going to get a lot cooler. So are those, um, are you able to access those using voiceover? You are, yes. and we in our iPad course, we taught about it, and Rita also did an excellent article on it. It's very powerful and very accessible even now. Um, and I don't remember, to be honest with you, what is happening with, with the animoji, if they're adding. My suspicion is they're adding, oh, I know what it is. I do remember. They're adding additional. See, so an animoji is putting your expression on and like a an uh, an animated you know it could be like a a puppy or a cat or a chicken or a robot you know and then memoji is your own face you create an animated version of your own face and when you create these memojis you can add even right now all kinds of different like hairstyles skin complexions piercings if you have piercings you can add eye color all these different things now and in iOS 14, the Memoji option is going to add things like if you have certain hobbies, if you, you know, play the guitar or you have a motorcycle or you, you know, whatever the case may be, you can add something that represents your hobby. Um, they're adding face mask options to the Memoji, of course, to, you know, who can doubt that? Uh, and, and just, you know, all the, but a lot of additional ways to customize the, the faces that you create with the Memoji feature. So- so the Memoji is, is, I can think of it as more of a fixed, like a picture, and the Animoji of, your, of yourself, you know, you put glasses on yourself or a hairstyle or whatever, okay? right? And then the Animoji is an animation video type um, feature where a, there's a rabbit, but a, a rabbit face, but as you talk, your right. actual, like if you move your head, the rabbit moves its the head. The rabbit moves its if head. You, That's right. If you open your mouth real wide and grin, the app, the, the, um, the rabbit grins. Okay. Right. And then it also records your voice. So it's a video of your facial <laughs> oh expressions. Okay. Yeah. And if yeah. you send me a, if uh, if you give me an address, I can send you that article about animojis and how to access them. They really are a lot of fun. Did you did you put it on the blog this week, Rita? 
I did not. Oh, okay. Uh, it, All right. It was, it's several months ago. It's I, been a I, while. I yeah, it's okay. been, yeah. Stick around after and I'll do it. Also, <laughs> I'd like to apologize to everyone on my text messaging um, in my contacts right now, preemptively, because when this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next question is is going to be from Mickey. Mickey, there should be something on your screen asking you to unmute. Yeah, I uh, first wanted to say I really appreciated so far the uh, all the all the effort you guys put into trying to help us understand all the somewhat in some ways confusing um, features and or <laughs> requests and what my biggest concern and I know there's not much you can do about it now but it's something to maybe I'm wondering if there isn't some way that we can as a group put some sub group together that talks about, okay, these are all out here. So now all of a sudden my phone is just totally going absolutely crazy with all these things. How can I create a priority of speech? So if, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm hearing something about something, I can say, don't tell me that right anymore, right at that point, so that you can quickly get rid of things that are happening so that you can actually, you won't miss. Other so apps. the, what you're, if I'm understanding correctly, you're saying like maybe a whole bunch of notifications from different apps and you only want to hear the ones that you really care about. Right. And also yeah. if, if there's a, if you've got a bunch of things going on at one time, and you know for sure, for instance, all, right now I have to care about the messaging. So there should be maybe some sort of a button that says clear everything but messaging. Well, there is. There's ways to do that. So if the, the, the second thing you're talking about, you know, once you're in a particular app, that app is, is full screen. So there's nothing else distracting you on that screen. Now, if there are notifications distracting you, you can, you can certainly turn on do not disturb. And I'm going to give you a more robust, uh, more granular option in a second also, but you can certainly turn on do not disturb if everything is just bugging you. I had uh, been doing a security and system, a security system installation this past weekend for my parents actually. And I needed their devices to be able to set these things up because I'm, you know, they're doing it on their devices and they just had a ton of notifications coming in and it was just distracting me. And I just put on do not disturb. And that just instantly eliminated that as long as your do not disturb setting is set to silence always and not silence only when locked, then the moment you turn on do not disturb, everything will stop except the active app. If it's something like music playing or, you know, a podcast, you can do your two finger double tap, your magic tap to, you know, to pause that. Now the notifications thing, there is a lot of granular control over notifications. And one of, one of the most robust things, probably again, very underutilized is called deliver quietly. So if you have an app that you like to use, but you really don't want its notifications all the time, rather than turning notifications off completely for that app, you can choose deliver quietly. And the way you do that is when a notification from that app appears, you you bring up the context menu for that notification, which is done by doing your, uh, like on an iPhone, it's a double tap and hold on the notification. On an iPad, you use the rotor to go to the more option or the view option. And one of the options under there is to manage the notifications. And then you can turn on deliver quietly. So for example, I use YouTube a lot and I'm subscribed to a number of YouTube channels. 
And my son used to also share the same YouTube account. So there's a bunch of channels that he's subscribed to. Probably even my daughter has a few on there. And so every single time somebody I'm subscribed to posts a new video, I get a notification about it. That was really bothersome because number one, I'm not always interested right at that moment in the YouTube notifications, even though I love YouTube. And secondly, it's, it was very frequent. And there seemed to be certain times of the day when a whole bunch of people would release videos. So I'd get, you know, 12 notifications in a, in a 30 second time period. I want to be able to access those notifications later. So I didn't want to turn off the notifications for YouTube because I do want to know at some point who uploaded new video content, but I, I didn't want those interrupting me. So by turning on deliver quietly, those notifications no longer show up on the home, on the, on the lock screen and they don't show up as an as an a banner when they appear the only way to access them is through the notification center later on at a time that i choose when it's convenient for me so that would be uh, there's a few suggestions i could make to you to sort of help that mitigate that issue thank you all right i think what we will do is matt if you could go ahead and tell people how to meet you or how, how to meet you, how to find you <laughs> online. That would okay. be great. And then we'll go ahead and end it. And then I will hold the room open for maybe five minutes after we're done and off the air. Um, All right. And I'll, I'll stick around okay. uh, for those five minutes to anybody that, yeah. All right. So um, yes, we can, uh, you know, we are, uh, of course you heard from Rita and myself and there's uh, actually three other members who, we're not with us today of our TTJ instructor team, uh, part of the tech juggernaut. I am a certified Apple teacher and um, we do have free courses and weekly virtual help sessions for free. Uh, every single week you can come in and get help. We also have paid training options. So uh, what we encourage you to do is visit the website, ttjtech.net. So that's Tango, Tango, Juliet for TTJ and then the word tech, T-E-C-H dot N-E-T. You can subscribe to the blog so that anytime we make an announcement, anytime we have a promotion, you'll get an email. And when we introduce our list of new classes on the schedule, you'll get an email. And when iOS 14 is released, we, do, we always do a series of tips and tricks right out of the gate. So you'll get emails about all of that. Um, we've also got a podcast called TTJ Talk. Uh, Trainer Cliff has a podcast called Stir It Up, S-T-U-R for stir. And uh, we do include technology in both of those. Technology is the focus of TTJ Talk. And so there's lots of ways for you to stay in touch. The ttjtech.net website has all the contact information. You can iMessage me. uh, You can call. iMessage is is the best way by far, but you can call, you can email. So all of that is on the website. And we are going to be looking for public beta testers. I mean, it's really Apple that does it. We're not doing it, but we, we run a group for beta testers to you know support each other and so on. So we'll have some announcements about that coming up too. So stay tuned to the blog if you can. I just want to also just make a quick thing about if you do choose to beta test, I think that if you have the opportunity to do it, that you should, but it's really awesome. Only if you are planning to file bug reports and to be helpful <laughs> because sometimes people put their things on their phones just to have the new future, you know, like the new beta and don't do that. Beta test. It's, it's awesome. It's a cool thing to do. I, I could not have said that better myself. We need to, you need to be part of our, our beta test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, thank you so much, Matt. I so appreciate you. Rita, thank you. Um, Doug, thank you so much for 
um, for streaming on ACB Radio. I so appreciate you. Thank you. And everybody, thank you so much for coming. Um, we do this every Friday, except um, we're, we'll probably will not be doing it next week because of convention, but I don't know that for sure. I'm pretty sure that's the case. But um, so anyhow, um, it might be a week or so before we see you again, Matt. <laughs> All right. Yeah, just keep me posted. That's fine. 